Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. To me, it's both. The Judaizers um, were adding Jesus, Jesus plus to their salvation and to their sanctification. But I think, but I think the book of Galatians itself is written to believers. Yes. Who, who, um, who were struggling with their justification or their, uh, their um, sanctification. I'm sorry. I would say it's more strongly um, written towards, believers who are struggling with their sanctification. I, 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 right. And I think that's the message today. So, so then I'm going to try to say, you, you mentioned Luther last time. I'm going to probably have a little about the other quote from Luther that talks about our past of righteousness, how we're completely holy in God's eyes. Yeah. Um, although I could hear someone in their mind saying, yeah, that's right for your justification, but not for your, sanctification you still not a be a good person be a good christian keep a law so then i want to say here's how does sanctification absolutely work and i have four things uh from the second half of the book of galatians and we don't have to go through them all on the podcast tonight but these are the four things i want to say yeah you can mention them well he's paul said i think says his so so that understanding that we talk about the, the way the rewards people think is like religion and even the even the rewards commentators I read would say, well, why are you surprised? It works this way. Every religion works this way, right? It's carrots and sticks. It's blessings if you get it right and punishments if you get it wrong. That's the way religion's supposed to work. Right. Maybe the gospel doesn't work that way at all, right? The God, that's what makes the gospel unique and distinctive from all world religions is like it's it's free grace. So um, so the, the the big question is. Why, why do you do what you do? But here's what I want to say about like how saying, so what is Paul saying? Well, how, how does sanctification work? Because that way of understanding is really simple. I'm saved, but then I work hard for my sanctification. Well, then if that's not how it works, how does it work? And there's four things. First of all, number one is realize that your standing is completely complete. Secondly, don't slip back to that old way of thinking, which I call the single line for, because of an illustration. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Third is change what you love. And the fourth is live in line with the way you were designed. So and the most and they're kind of in order the, the way they appear in the book, but they're also in order of kind of importance. Because the most important thing is to realize that your standing is completely complete. In other words, you're 100 percent approved by God right now. And you you're you could do all kinds of good works and it won't make you 101% approved. It doesn't change you're your positional grace, your standing in his eyes is set because of what Christ did, not because of what you did. And mm-hmm. all, all your good works won't change that. So in other words, you're saying like it's two sides of the same coin. It's, it's, you talk about in terms of grace, but like we'll ter- talk about in terms of works. Why do you do good works? Why do you do good works? Because the Judaizers say you have to do good works. The rewards people say you have to do good works. And Galatians says you have to do good works. The Bible, Paul absolutely says you have to do good works, 
The whole point is the reason you do them. The Judaizers right. say you need to do it to be accepted by God. The rewards people say you do it because you need to get great rewards in heaven. And Paul says you do it sheerly out of gratitude. You don't you don't get a thing out of it. You don't. Yeah. It doesn't change a thing. You you can't be any more accepted than you are right now, and you can't be any less accepted than you are right now. So you do it purely out of gratitude to please him, right? But it doesn't. There's, they're not meritorious works. You don't get any merit out of doing it in his eyes. You just do a kind of sheer response to his grace. That's, so, yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, there's a verse you brought up that I added to the presentation that you keyed in, in, in Galatians 6. I thought that was a really big addition, and I didn't have it until you mentioned it. Now I'm going to try to find space and time to work it in. Do you remember that was? Yeah, Galatians six fourteen. It's one of my one of my favorite verses. Thinking about your two line illustration, where he says, "But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world." And it's just that idea. The only thing that Paul can boast about is the cross. He can't boast right. about his works. Right. He can't boast about. Well, he could have. I mean, he yeah, he could. He could he could have, but he's saying I'm choosing to only boast about Christ and the cross. Right. Um and to me, um, as that cross grows, as we as we grow in our Christian life, um, the cross gets bigger and bigger. And we want to boast more and more about in him. Um Amen. Amen. The more I'm aware of how holy he is and the more I'm aware of how sinful I am and how the gap between those two grows and grows and grows, the more I reflect back. And you know, for Greg, I can't, I, 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 in all the research I was doing for the talk, I, I, there was a phrase about our, our, our sanctification, it progresses through reflection on our justification, reflecting back. Mm. Right. So remember, you got a question last week. Talk about stumpers and different things, which said, "How shall no, no, no? What was the verse the guy said? What does it mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling?" Right. What does it mean to work out? And um, and because it sounds like you, it sounds like something we would do in our flesh. Work. It sounds like work for your transformation. Yeah, it does. And, and that's and, and that's right. what a, that's how a lot of people interpret it. That's right. Work out your salvation. You got to do good works. You see, you got to be good. And I think it's, I think it's exactly this idea. If if you think of it of an illustration with two diverging lines, where one is the growing awareness of God's holiness, and another going upward, another one going downward is your growing awareness of your own sin, and the cross is filling that gap. So as you as the lines diverge and you grow in Christ, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. In other words, I am progressing in my sanctification by reflecting back on my justification what i'm doing is working out my salvation with fear and trembling yeah i'm thinking of my salvation and my salvation which which seemed like a nice thing which that is that cross the cross gets bigger you're all exactly and it, it, exactly and the I cross mean, getting bigger and bigger is working out my salvation i'm not graduating yeah. from my salvation i'm not leaving behind myself because you're growing in your awe of what 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 jesus did for you amen you amen. know Right. And there's another there's another word that I think works into into this 
to your illustration, and it's the word surrender. Yes. Because um there like um like when I think about my other illustration, the three ways to live, the reason we tend to go one way go, fall into legalism or license is because we want to control our lives. But the way we continue to follow Jesus is through surrender. Amen. That's really good, Greg. You know, I but you about... want to surrender. You want to surrender because, you know, because of the magnitude of what he did for us it, on the yes. cross. And so it becomes it, it becomes easier to as you grow again, as you see how huge, you know, your awareness of your sinfulness and the awareness of God's holiness and you realize that you know, without Christ, we're with, you know, there's no hope. It makes it easier to surrender to him. Yeah. And surrender is an active process, right? I mean, I'm, I'm desiring it's a daily, that. it's like taking up your cross daily and following that's right. him. That's right. To me, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, a, that's, that's surrender. And that's the passage about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians, in Galatians 5, it's all about changing what you love. And it ends by saying, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yeah. It's an act of taking up your cross daily. I'm crucifying the flesh. I'm changing what I love. Daily surrender. And and, and, and it's active because one of the criticisms of it is say, well, the license, the rewards theology is, 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 is based on a fear of license. Well, if I don't have some rationale for, for propelling good works forward, see, you're going to get rewarded. You got to keep working Hard I'm just gonna. Hard. I'm just gonna eat, drink, and license. be merry. Yes, and you'll slip into license. You yeah. can't have, right? You'll yeah. do anything. And, yeah. and so, if you if if you think righteousness is passive, and you say it's not passive, surrender is really, really active. I need to every day stop trusting in myself. Stop. Keep trusting in Him. The thing is, we don't even focus on works. They're they're a byproduct of our surrender and of, you know, our living out the gratitude, and we do, we will do good works. We will do good works, but it's actually better that I'm not aware of the good works that I do. That's right. That's because right. I don't want to take any pride in them. Yeah. So that rewards theology, we might've talked about this in that podcast. We talked about rewards, but that rewards theology is based on the verse about the, you know, we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat of Christ. Right. But then the passage in, is it Matthew or Luke where Jesus talks about the, his actual judgment where he's going to separate the sheep and the goats the sheep, and he says to the sheep, you did all these great things. The sheep come back and say what? They say, when when did I do these great things? Right. He says, you did, you visited me when I was sick. You did help me when I was, you did all these great things. And they say, we don't remember any of that at all. They have no awareness of their good works. No cognizance. No, never was their focus. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is great. That's the way it should be, right? Well. They'd be like Paul in your verse, the, the Galatians 6, may I never boast except in the cross. They would say, they, the sheep will say, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember doing any of that stuff. All I know is I want to be, I would surrender to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. Any, any, um, I'm excited. I'm excited for your talk, man. I really am. And, is there any anything else you want to share? Well, I think I am going to circle back, and I think we did in the podcast called Podcast Go this idea. Well, those verses about rewards and crowns are in there. What do they mean? And in Philippians four one and First Thessalonians two verse nineteen, Paul clearly says the rewards, rewards and the crowns are the people. And I think 
Greg, we talked about the podcast, but I think you gave a teaching where you talked about this. So people have heard this before from you in our little group. I think <laughs> you you were pretty clear on this. They did the rewards that you're seeking are the people that you're going to influence for Christ. Yeah. And 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 it's going to be one of those um times where like um Jesus gets all the glory. Um, yeah, yeah. um because yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so the rewards are the the changed lives and whether or not it's like direct ministry or indirect ministry or maybe you gave money to a certain mission organization and you're going to meet people that were you know came to came to know Jesus because you gave that $5, you know. Right. Um I think that to me that's I think the Bema seat is going to be a more of a time of celebration of that rather than showing everybody's sins on a, on a screen behind you. Right. Um, it's going to be more of a, yeah. Uh, just amazing celebration of how, uh, God used our lives to touch other people in ways that we had no idea. And it's, it's, we're not going to have any sense of pride or anything. It's going to be, um, we're just going to, I mean, it's the same way I feel whenever somebody comes up and said, great job, because, mm. you know, um, it seems like it happens every time you teach, you know, somebody comes up and gives you, says, Hey, yeah. you did a great job. No, I, people say that to you. People have said that to me. Um, I must say that to all the other speakers too. I just don't recall hearing that. I'm, I'm just kidding, Greg. Is it? You're kidding. Oh, they, they, say, yeah, they, they say that to you. What? They say that to you, but they never say it to me. They never say that to me. Well, and the thing is, sometimes people say it just because they feel the pressure to say it. You yeah. know, but um, but I think when people sincerely, you know, say it, and I can tell, like, just you know, I can kind of tell their heart. I immediately thank God, because I know that if I touched anybody's life, if I did anything well, it's, it's, it, it, it he deserves the credit. That's right. So I don't walk away like, oh man, you're great. You know, you're a great Bible teacher or you're, you know, um, I actually kind of rejoice. You know, I think I, th I turn that into a prayer of thanks to God that he, that he used me. It's awesome. To touch somebody, you know, to touch somebody's life. And, and that's, that's why I'm in ministry actually is, is for moments like that. Um, oh. When, uh, when you get feedback like that, um, when you realize that God used you to touch another person's life, I've that's always right. known that, that, that has nothing to do with my unique, you know, there's nothing special um, you know, um, anyway, just, just the, I just am very keenly aware that that's, that's just God. It's all God. And that's the, and that's the greatest thing. Well, how should we close this one? Uh, well, let's, um, let me read this little passage you don't mind from luther because i thought this was really good he talked about his passive righteousness 
Do you mind if I do that? Yeah, no, do it. So Luther wrote this commentary this uh, on the uh, Galatians. And I think, did you talk about how this started the revival, the Great Awakening? Did you talk about I that? I did not share that story. So it was, uh, so I, if I have time, I'll, if I, I'll mention this briefly, how um, John and Charles Wesley were in the early 1700s were missionaries. They went to, from England to Georgia and they failed miserably. And they came back to England all disheartened and disillusioned. And they went to a Bible study. And uh, someone was reading Luther's commentary on Galatians, which you teed up last week and you mentioned. Yeah. Teaching. And they were completely changed. Not them for the, one of their companions first, but the, but but then they all they they changed. And this is the passage they were reading. This is actually a paraphrase. Uh, uh, it was a, it's a, I found this in the internet, abridged and a paraphrase by Tim Keller. So. Uh, it's about a paragraph long. I'll just start it. It says, therefore, we must be careful to use the law appropriately. Again, these are Luther's words paraphrased by Tim Keller. If we use the law in order to be accepted by God through obedience, then Christian righteousness becomes mixed up with earned or moral righteousness in our minds. If we try to earn our righteousness by doing many good deeds, we actually do nothing. We neither please God through our works for righteousness, nor do we honor the purpose for which the law was given, which is just to show us what sinners we are. But if we first receive Christian righteousness, then we can use the law, not for our salvation, but for his honor and glory and to lovingly show our gratitude. And then these words are what set it off. So then, have we nothing to do to obtain this righteousness? No, nothing at all. Wow. Nothing. And, and, uh, what happened? Let me find this passage here. If I can, one of their companions it wasn't actually John Charles Wesley at the time. It was one of their companions, and he was so overwhelmed with this. Uh, um, he said, "There such there came such a power over me as I cannot well describe. Cannot well describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace and love that I burst into tears." I almost thought I saw our Savior. My companions, perceiving me so affected, fell on their knees and prayed. And then Charles Wesley reflected later on that same night, and he said, while he was describing the change which God works through faith in Christ, Luther, I felt my heart strangely warmed, strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. These were Christians. They were missionaries. Wow. But suddenly grace hit them. And I think they were trying so hard to, you know, we call it climbing the single line, but trying so hard to, you know, uh, live an obedient Christian life, to achieve God's approval and favor. And when they realize, no, wait, I've already got it. It's all by his grace. Yeah. Are you going to do? No, nothing. No, nothing. I think they felt like a tidal wave. Yeah. And that sparked the Great Awakening in the early 1700s, which changed millions of lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.